Good morning. Welcome again to Morning Devotions. I'm Pastor Sumrall, the pastor of Cathedral of Praise. And we begin a brand new week. This has been a journey, and we've probably got another five months or so until this journey is finished. But what a privilege to walk it together, and especially walk it with Jesus. Jesus is with you. He will never leave you. He will never fail you. He will never forsake you. Now, let me open this morning with Psalms chapter 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Sometimes, you know, you do that in what I call that breathing faith. Jesus, my refuge. Jesus, my fortress. Just remember these simple thoughts that we've taught you. Keeps your heart calm. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on lion and adder, the young lion and serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love. Remember how I taught you last weekend, just because you love him. Perfect love casts out all fear. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. In other words, there are times of trouble on this life that we go through, okay? But he'll be with us. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Ah, oh, what a wonderful God we have. Let's open up our hearts now and spend some time in worship. Yes. 
As we go to prayer today, I want to remind you, yes, we've got Daniel's prayer going three times a day, but I want to remind you that you need to be praying for yourself for wisdom. This is not going away anytime soon. As we heard the announcements of the president, we should expect this to go on at least until the end of the year. So let's settle in and live our life. I mean, please, you, you can't keep, you know, fighting against what you can't fight. So settle in and live your life. Ask God to show you wisdom, how to move your life forward in the middle of these days. We are to redeem the time because the days are evil. We still have the great commission to fulfill. We still have all the commandments of God laid out for us. Nothing has changed except the environment. So now we just have to learn how to live and thrive in this environment. Father, we come to you today with a simple request for wisdom. Wisdom for every family, how to keep food on the table and all the bills paid. Lord, you said that you would bless the work of our hands. We need work for our hands to do. Give us wisdom in how to do that. Show every parent, Father, how to do this. Where there be no stress, there won't be daily stomach in a knot. How can we pay the bills coming due? But Father, you'll show us a simple, clear plan. And then bless the work of our hands as we follow the plan that you've laid out for us. And that, Father, we'll see every bill paid, every Morelco bill, every water bill, all the rents paid, all the mortgages paid, all the car payments paid, everything paid on time, Father. We thank you for it. And an abundance left over for every good work, for every businessman and businesswoman, Lord. How do they work with their employees? How do they move forward? How do they change up their product lines? How do they sell differently? Father, they still have to do their business. You gave them that business. Now teach them how to do the business in this season, Father. We've still got a ways to go. Teach them exactly how to adapt. Teach them exactly how to present themselves. Father, we just need wisdom. For the young people, Lord, they're so frustrated. And Lord, some getting a little unfocused. Show the young people how to make progress this year. Father, you know your hand that you have on every single one of their lives. You know the destinies that you've laid out for every one of these young people. The dreams that you have put within their heart. Show them how to make progress, Lord. That they don't feel like just a year of their life was taken away from them and they were locked in the prison of their homes. Father, show them. So that there'll be no frustration in their hearts, Father. Show them how to make the progress that they need to make. Show them how to move their lives forward. For families, Lord, that have weddings ahead. <laughs> they have big life events ahead, Lord. First birthdays of babies, weddings, funerals. Show each family how to move forward with all of their life events. Father, we come and we simply ask wisdom today. There's nothing we can do in the midst of this storm except to choose to live our lives and to follow you. Give wisdom to every family, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. As we turn our attention to the word today, I want us to start in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. A very, very familiar passage, so we have to be careful we don't spend too much time on it. Paul begins, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. He said, listen, I'm, I'm making this appeal based on mercy, not based on law, not law, not judgment, I appeal to you by the mercies of God. 
to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now notice, he said present your bodies, not just <laughs> your soul and spirit. He's, now, if he's got your body, he's got all three. He said, you, you bring your body and you put that body, that physical body on the altar as a living sacrifice, not as a dead sacrifice. You can leave any time. You can get off the altar. Every single day of your life, you present yourself as a living sacrifice, which is your spiritual worship. Now, we could preach forever just on that line, but we don't dare move. He said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Now, for all of us, we need to understand everything around us is trying to make us conform. Now, please, I know the mask some people don't like, but listen, let's just, let's just live with the mask for a while, all right? Consider it a second skin for a little while. Consider it like brushing your teeth. Consider it like, you know, taking your vitamins is just something that you do. But now conform to the world, that's not having to do with the mask. That's not having to do with being controlled. There is a far more subtle control in this world than the government asking us to wear a mask. And that is marketing. You have to wear a certain type of jeans. You have to wear a certain type of shirt. You have to wear certain tennis shoes. You have to cut your hair in a certain way. You have to have a tattoo. I mean, all of these things that you have to do. You have to go to Starbucks. You have to drink milk tea. Everything in this world is designed to make us conform. Peer pressure is the most awesome. It's the most awful type of control that there is. You have to just fit in with everybody. But now, conform there literally means to be put into a box. He said, instead, I want you to be transformed like a, a beautiful butterfly coming out of a cocoon. And the way that that true inner nature of Christ comes out of us is by the renewing of our mind. The more time you spend in the Bible, the more you're going to release that beautiful new inner Christ-like nature. And forgive me, you're going to stand out. You're not going to be like everybody else. Just like Jesus stood out in a crowd, you're going to stand out in a crowd because you won't think like everybody else. You won't act like everybody else. You won't dress like everybody else. Forgive me. You're going to be like Jesus. See, you and I have to understand we fit in heaven when we're really living the Christian life. We don't fit in earth. We're aliens here, Paul says. We fit in heaven. So please, young people, I know you desperately want to just fit in and be unnoticed because you're like everybody else. But that's not how you change a world. And you don't do this by saying, how radical can I be? You, you do this by the renewal of your mind. You, you learn to think like God thinks. That by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is his good, acceptable, and perfect will. Now, as you renew your mind, that's where you test and discern the will of God. You know, young people fitting into the world, you will never know the will of God. I mean, please forgive me, but you'll never know the will of God for your life. You'll be clueless about the will of God for your life. It's in renewing your mind that you test and approve God's will. You, you understand this is God's will, and you also approve of it. By the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, so Paul ministered by grace. 
Paul said, I teach by grace, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think in sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. This is true humility. This is true humility. You don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. You think of yourself with an honest evaluation. You think of yourself according to the measure of faith that God has given to you. I mean, please, you, you look at Gideon and the angel of the Lord says, Hail, mighty man of valor. Well, excuse me, who do, you, who do you think I am? You're a mighty man of valor. Gideon was not thinking of himself in humility. He was thinking of himself in discouragement. Humility is an honest evaluation of yourself according to the measure of faith God has assigned you. For as in one body we have many members, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, though we are one body and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. All right, so here's the local church. Paul is writing to a local church. He said, in the local church, we're one body, and each one of us, individual members of it. And he said, each member of the church has a gift according to the grace given to us. All right? So, all right, our abilities to minister come by grace, just like Paul's did, okay? Whether your, your ministry is in serving as an usher, that's by grace. Whether your ministry is to sing, that's by grace, all right? Having gifts that differ, all right? No, everybody's not going to be the same according to the grace given to us. Let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith. If service, all right, so we have prophecy, we have service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, all right, there's, there's an ability, there's a gifting. Connect group leaders, a gift of grace to the one who exhorts. Now, there are some people that can't teach, period. I mean, they can't put five logical thoughts together, but they can exhort, okay, and that, that's, a, that's a gift too. The one who contributes, there are people that actually have a gift of giving, I mean, that, that is their gift. And Satan will work to destroy that just like he'll work to destroy service and teaching and exhortation. The one who leads, that's a gift. With zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. All of that feeding down there in, in aroma, these are acts of mercy. And people have, by grace have received a gifting to be able to show these acts of mercy. So look at all these beautiful giftings given into the body by grace and ask yourself, what is the gifting that God has, has given me? Let love be genuine. Now, now, brothers and sisters, I could preach for five hours on that. I'm so tired of fake love in the body of Christ. You know, fake love looks like a salesman who walks up to you and shakes your hand with a big smile and, oh, my best friend. Have you ever been shopping in Hong Kong? Oh, it's good to see you again, my best friend. And, and you look at people and go, you don't even know my name and I'm your best friend. <laughs> now, let love be genuine. In church, put away the fakeness, all right? Love people, let it be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Christians should not be tolerant of evil. Abhor it. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. I put a wow next to that. All right. 
Have you ever noticed there are some people that are just disrespectful to everybody? Have you ever been around somebody who just insults you? Every time you get around them, they just, they feel the need to insult you and put you down. That's exactly the opposite of this. Paul said, outdo one another in showing honor. Out, wow. He said, if you're gonna have some competition, have a competition of showing honor. <laughs> Only good competition. I love this. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. A slothful, like a sloth. Don't be lazy in showing zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Look at all these individual commands, okay? People say, oh, you know, there's nothing in the Bible that tells you what to do. Well, look at Paul here. He's telling you by grace what to do. Rejoice in hope. There's a thing. As God puts hope in your heart, hope is happy. Rejoice in it. Be patient in tribulation. That's what we're doing right now in the middle of COVID-19. These are difficult times. Be patient in these times. Be constant in prayer. Now the translation says, be consistent. Consistent in prayer. I like that. Prayer life. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Oh, do we have to do that? Yeah, bless them. Well, what, what can you do good for somebody who persecutes you? Bless and um, do not curse them. <laughs> That's what you'd like to do. Lord, can you turn your head for just a minute? I won't curse them verbally, but I'm just one time in the nose. He said, no, 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 no. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. When people are happy, they've gotten their home, they've gotten a car, they've gotten a blessing from the Lord, they've gotten a healing in their body. God's answered their prayer. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those that weep. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, you sit down with somebody who's going through a hard time. Maybe they've lost a loved one. And there's no words to say. You just sit down and cry with them. Weep with those that weep. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be going around causing strife. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. In other words, don't have your nose stuck up in the air. But associate with the lowly. Now, in this modern homogeneous church concept where all the rich people go to one church, the poor people go to another church, the Chinese go to another church, the Pinoy go to another church, forgive me. Don't be haughty. Associate with the lowly. I will never forget, years ago when we, we started uh, my father's house, we had these street kids coming, and they were coming into children's church. And I had parents come to me and say, Pastor Summerall, I'm going to be leaving the church. Why? Because I don't want my children around those street kids. Why? My daughter's there. And they just looked at me. I said, my daughter's there. I said, Jesus died for those kids. Those kids have nobody to help them in life. Those kids have nobody who's ever done anything for them in life. Can't we be God's hand of love extended? Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. If you're too good to come to church and sit next to somebody who comes to church from Aroma, you have a problem. Never be conceited. Wow. Never. <laughs> These are commands now. Repay no one evil for evil. 
Just because somebody does something bad to you, you don't need to do anything bad back. Just because people say horrible things against you, you don't need to tell the people all the dirt you know on them. You know, sometimes you just have to go, you know what? They're repaying my good with evil, but that's all right. I'm not going to repay evil for evil. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of God. All right. So your response is to be thoughtful. Give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. You had to think about this. What is the honorable thing to do? You're going to have to think about that one. If possible, it's not always, so far as it depends on you and it does not always, live peaceably with all. If it depends on you, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. Don't be living your life in strife. You know, have you ever noticed that there are some Christians that just love to go around and they live in the middle of a fight? They never keep friends very long. They always move on to the next fight. You don't want to live like that. You want to live in peace with all. Beloved, and you know what? I've been forgetting to do that the whole time. So welcome to live TV. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Look at that word, never. Never avenge yourselves. As in never. Never, never take vengeance. Never pay back. Never, I'm going to get payback. Never, ever, ever, never, 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 never. Avenge yourselves. But leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, say the Lord. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that. One, God is more merciful God is just. Let God do the vengeance. You know, sometimes you watch people and they do horrible things against you. They've stolen money from you. They've, they've said ugly lies about you. They've tried to destroy your business. Whatever. Leave it to God. Just decide, you know what? I'm going to move on and have a happy life. You can't be productive and be in a fight at the same time. So I'm never going to avenge myself. I'm going to leave it to the wrath of God. Vengeance belongs to God. Let God deal with that person. He is just, but he's also more merciful. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on their head. Wow. <laughs> In other words, oh, they're not going to know how to deal with this one. This is going to torment them. Okay, it's going to torment them. Why are they being nice to me? <laughs> do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. All right, so never back down. Never back down from a bully called evil. But, but, you overcome it with good. You don't fight back. You don't do vengeance. You don't repay evil for evil. You do good. See, good will... Oh, please forgive me. I know this sounds very... 
how do I say it? I know this sounds very pie in the sky, ethereal, it cannot possibly work. But it does work. Evil is always overcome by good. God's goodness leads men to repentance, remember? How does God overcome all of the evil in this world to turn a heart from sin to him? By good. Good wins. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship.
our Old Testament passage today again picks up in that beautiful book of Nehemiah. So chapter 9, verse 1, and let me click right into it for you. Now on the 24th day of this month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth and with earth on their heads. This is repentance. So this was an assembly of repentance. And the Israelites separated themselves from all the foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. Now, separation. And they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day. And for another quarter of it, they made confession and worshiped. All right, so six hours of Bible study. <laughs> And six hours of repentance and worship. So that's a 12-hour service. Wow! And you think, I preach long sermons. But this is revival. All right? Six hours of Bible study, six hours of repentance and worship. A 12-hour service. And then they had 12 hours to eat, sleep, get ready, and come back. On the stairs of the Levites stood Joshua, Bani, Kadmiel, Shebaniah, Buni, Sarabiah, Bani, Chaniah, and they cried out with a loud voice to the Lord their God. All right, no silent. No silent prayer. They cried out in a loud voice to the Lord their God. Then the Levites, Joshua, Kadmiel, Bani, Hashbaniah, Sarabiah, Hodiah, Shebaniah, and Pethahiah said, Stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. I like that. Stand up and bless the Lord your God. Wow. Stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessings and praise. You are the Lord, you alone. You made the heaven, the heaven of the heavens with all their hosts, the earth and all that is in it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them. All right, so God is creator. And this is a common theme even in Paul's writing. God is creator. God is the sustainer. So God sustains. So people always, young people, you always worry about, is an asteroid going to wipe out the earth? Is global warming going to wipe out mankind? Will this pandemic eliminate the human race like the dinosaurs? Excuse me. God preserves all of them. Now, straight talk. Young people, every generation has this fear planted in their hearts. I remember when I was a young man, the big fear was a new ice age coming, okay? A new ice age. And now in my daughter's generation, it's global warming. And you go, can't these guys ever make up their mind? Every generation is gonna have somebody giving a panic attack. The world's food supply is gonna run out. In 12 years, global warming will wipe out planet Earth. God will preserve the Earth. I want you to remember, we know how this story ends. Remember the book of Revelation? We know how the story ends. It does not end in a meteor wiping out planet Earth. We know how this story ends. And we know 
that Jesus will rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years in the millennium and will rule and reign with him. So please, young people, get, get over all of the fear that people want to put into your heart about global calamities and human mankind being wiped out. God made the earth and God will preserve all of them. And that includes human beings. You are the Lord, the God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. And now here is incredible. You found his heart faithful to you and made with him a covenant. All right. Wow. I, I just, wow. God looks for a faithful heart. Brothers and sisters, there's a lot of things we can't control, but we can have a faithful heart. That we're just faithful. And the, the word here for faithful means reliable, dependable, consistent. I looked at a lady one time, and she was very upset with her husband because you know, she worked in an office where there were guys with BMWs and her husband had a pickup truck. And she looked at these guys and in the office, they were so fancy in their clothes. And her husband was just, he was just a guy guy. I mean, he's just good old guy. And she said, you know, Pastor, I said, you, you, need, to, you need to back up for a minute. I said, um, have you looked at the marriages of these men that look so fancy that you're comparing your husband with? No. I said, why don't you take a look? she came back and talked to me and she said, you know, pastor, you're right. They, they, they either are unmarried and they just have multiple affairs or they've been married and they're living with somebody else right now and they have no real commitment to that one. I said, you have a faithful hearted husband. <laughs> you better be thankful. God doesn't look for the rich in heart. God doesn't even look for the brave in heart. He looks for the faithful heart. He found his heart faithful before him. May God find our hearts faithful. In everything that we do, we're reliable. Whatever God asks us to do, we're reliable. We may not be fancy, we may not be the best at it, but we're faithful. A person came to me one time and said, you know, Pastor Summerall, that person singing there behind you on Sunday morning? I said, yeah. Pastor, they can't sing at all. I said, you know, they're kind of older now, but you know what? They've been faithful in the choir for 30 years. You know what? May God find all of us that faithful. And made with him a covenant. God makes covenants with people who are faithful. Ah. To give his offspring the land that the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Jebusite, and the Gurkhanites. And you have kept your promise, for you are righteous. Why God keeps his promises? Why does God keep his promises? Because he's righteous. That's beautiful. You saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt. So you saw and you heard their cry at the Red Sea. And performed signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants and all the people of his land. For you knew they acted arrogantly toward our fathers, and you made a name for yourself as it is to this day. Now, a couple of things there. Uh, God delivers from the arrogant. 
Now, if you ever want to see God work, just watch somebody start treating you arrogantly. When people act arrogantly towards you and try to destroy you out of their arrogance, you know what? They come crashing and burning down every time. God acts against arrogant actions against his people. And notice, you made a name for yourself. You didn't make a name for Israel. You made a name for yourself, as it is to this day. You divided the sea before them so that they went through in the midst of the sea on the dry land, and you cast their pursuers into the depths as a stone into the mighty waters. By a pillar of cloud you led them in the day, and by a pillar of fire in the night to light for them the way in which they should go. God's guidance. Now, notice, God's guidance teaches trust. Every day he showed them where to go. Every day they learned trust. You came down on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven and gave them right rules and true laws, good statutes and commandments. So you came down. There is theophany. This is a physical manifestation of the presence of God. You came down. And you spoke with them and gave them right rules and true laws. And you made known to them your holy Sabbath and commanded them commandments and statutes and a law by your servant, by Moses, your servant. Now, you made known to them your holy Sabbath. So the Sabbath is God's. This day off once a week, God says, you taught that to the people. Now remember, as slaves, no rest. See, that's one of the mark of being a slave. You, you, you're cruelly treated. There is no rest. But God said, you're not slaves anymore. So let me teach you how I live. This is my holy Sabbath. I, once a week, rest. I worked for six and rested on one. Now, he said, You've been slaves. You don't understand this. So let me make known to you how you were created to live. You were created with the need of a Shabbat. You were created with the need of a Sabbath. You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger, brought water to them out of the rock for their thirst, and told them to go in and possess the land that you had sworn to give them. Now, isn't that fantastic? They had to be ordered to receive the promise. <laughs> uh, sometimes we are so stubborn. They had to be ordered to receive the promise. But they and our fathers acted presumptuously and stiffened their neck and did not obey your commandments. They refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders. They did not keep in mind. Sometimes you have to keep things in mind. They were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them. You know, there are some Christians today, they don't keep in mind the miracles God has done for them. And stiffen their neck, here we go again, stiffening the neck, and they appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. Wow. Man appointed leaders. Lead us backwards. <laughs> you see, brothers and sisters, God has leaders that he has placed in your life. They will lead you forwards. 
a man-appointed leader will always lead us backwards. But you are a God ready. I like that. God is ready to forgive, gracious, merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and he did not forsake them. What do you do with a God like that? In spite of all of our screw-ups, God is ready to forgive. Have you ever thought about that? God lives on ready. <laughs> oh. God lives on ready. Ready to forgive. That's God. Now, maybe you screwed up this last week. God's ready to forgive. He's waiting for you. Oh, sometimes you read these passages and your heart just explodes with how wonderful God is. Ready to forgive. He's just waiting for you. Ready to forgive. Gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And he did not forsake them. God's not going to throw you out. Even when they had made for them a golden calf he, they, and said, this is your God who brought you out of Egypt and committed great blasphemies. Yet in your great mercies, you did not forsake them. Sometimes your screw ups go beyond comprehension. But in his great mercy, God does not forsake you. <laughs> God is more wonderful than you can ever comprehend, brothers and sisters. Never hold back coming to him for forgiveness because you think there's not enough forgiveness. He's living on ready to forgive you. And in his great mercies, he has not abandoned you. The pillar of cloud to lead them in the way did not depart from them by day, nor the pillar of cloud by night to light for them the way in which they should go. All right, so God still led them in spite of rebellion. Wow. God still led them. When we're faithless, he's faithful. You gave your good spirit to instruct them. Wow. The Holy Spirit instructs us. And did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. So God still provided in spite of their rebellion. <laughs> Have you ever watched a Christian who was just getting farther and farther into sin and rebellion and arrogance? And people would say, but God is still blessing them. Yep. That's because of how wonderful he is. It has nothing to do with their lifestyle. It's all about his great mercy, his slow to anger, his abounding in faithfulness. So, so never take his provision and his guidance as a, um, a symbol that you're right. <laughs> God, brothers and sisters, I wish I could put it into human words. God is more wonderful than your mind and my mind can begin to comprehend. For 40 years, you sustained them in the wilderness, and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, and their feet did not swell. For 40, I'll just write it simple, 40 years of sin. These people never did circumcise their children. These people never did offer a sacrifice to God. For 40 years, they just... I mean, they were just for 40 years. 
and God, look at what he did for them. You gave them kingdoms and people and allotted to them every corner. They took possession of the land of Sihon, the king of Heshbon, and the land of Og, king of Bashan. You multiplied their children as stars of the heaven and brought them into the land. You had told their fathers to enter and possess. <laughs> so the descendants went in and possessed the land. Notice the descendants, not that generation. And you subdued before them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, and gave them into their hand with their kings and the peoples of the land that they might do with them as they would. And they captured fortified cities and a rich land and took possession of houses full of good things, cisterns already hewn, that would be water, vineyards, olive orchards, fruit trees in abundance. So they ate and were filled and became, I got to highlight this one, and became fat and delighted themselves in your great goodness. Oh, beloved. <laughs> So they ate and were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in your great goodness. Can I read that one more time? So they ate and were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in your great goodness. He's never changed, brothers and sisters. He's never changed. <laughs> wow. Nevertheless, Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against you and cast your law behind their back and killed your prophets who had warned them in order to turn them back to you. And they committed great blasphemy. So notice, their personal life, disobedient, rebellious, cast the law behind their back. Their public life, they killed the prophets. I mean, they gathered together and killed the men and women of God that God sent. This is why I teach young people, if you want to be popular, don't go into the ministry. The ministry is not for popularity. The ministry is, is different. Therefore, you gave them into the hands of their enemies who made them suffer. God did not make them suffer. Their enemies did. Not God. And in the time of their suffering, they cried out to you. <laughs> and you heard them. And according to your great mercies, you gave them saviors who saved them from the hand of their enemies. Now, would you look at that? No matter how foolish the people have been, no matter how many times they screw up, God's still there for them. But after they had rest, they did evil again before you. They never learned. This is the story of the judges, the roller coaster of serving God. When they're blessed, they turn back to their sin. And you abandon them into the hand of their enemies so that they had dominion over them. Yet when they turned and cried out to you, you heard from heaven and delivered them according to your mercies. <laughs> He's more wonderful than you can ever know. And you warned them in order to turn them back to your law. Yet they acted presumptuously and did not obey your commandments and sinned against your rules, which if a person does them, he shall live by them. And turned a stubborn shoulder and stiffened their neck and would not obey. Now notice, which if a person does them, he shall live by them. Remember Romans. 
Okay, this, this is where the quote comes from Romans. Many years you bore with them and warned them by your spirit through your prophets. So God uses the prophets. He warns them. Yet they would not give ear. Therefore you gave them into the hand of the peoples of the land. Nevertheless, in your great mercies, you just need to kill through and highlight all that. Just, ah, here come those great mercies again. You did not make an end of them or forsake them. For you are a gracious and merciful God. That's God's character. Why is God so nice? Because that's who he is. Why is God so merciful? Because that's who he is. Now, therefore, our God, the great, the mighty, the awesome God. I like that. The great, the mighty, the awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love. Let not our hardship seem little to you that has come upon us, upon our kings, our princes, our priests, our prophets, our fathers, and all your people since the time of the kings of Assyria until this day. Yet you have been righteous in all that has come upon us. For you have dealt faithfully, and we have acted wickedly. Not God's fault. You see, when people repent, let me put it this way. True repentance does not blame others. True repentance faces, yeah, we are the ones who've done wrong. Our kings, our princes, our priests, and our fathers have not kept your law or paid attention to your commandments and your warnings that you gave us. For even in their own kingdom, enjoying your great goodness that you gave them, and in a large and rich land that you set before them, they did not serve you or turn from their wicked works. Behold, we are slaves this day in a land that you gave to our fathers to enjoy his fruit and his good gifts. Behold, we are slaves. Okay. They were slaves in own land. Wow. Yet its rich yield goes to the kings you have set over us because of our sins. Now, not the kings of Israel. It went to the foreign kings. They rule over our bodies and over our livestock as they please, and we are in great distress. Because of all this, we make a firm covenant in writing on a sealed document are the names of our princes, our Levites, and our priests. Now, I'm pretty much out of time today. Well, let's try to get through this, all right? We might go just a little long. Chapter 10, verse 1. On the seals are the names of the Nehemiah, the governor, the sons of Hakaliah, Zechariah, Saraiah, Azariah, Jeremiah, Pashur, Amariah, Malkajah, Hatush, Shebaniah, Maluk, Harim, Meramoth, Obadiah, Daniel, Ginathan, Baruch, Mashalam, Abijah, Majamin, Maziah, Bilgai. Shemaiah, these are the priests, and of the Levites, Jeshua, the son of Azaniah, Binui, of the sons of Anad and Kadmiel, and their brothers, Shebaniah, Hodiah, Kalita, Pelaiah, and Hanan, Mika, Rohab, Hashbabiah, Zachar, Serabiah, Shebaniah, Hodiah, Bani, Binua, the chief of the peoples, Parush, Bahathmoab, Elam, Zatu, Bani, Buni, Azgad, Babai, Adonijah, 
Bigva, Adin, Atir, Hezekiah, Azur, Hodiah, Hashem, Bazai, Herapath, Hanahoth, Nabai, Magpaash, Meshulam, Hazir, Meshazabel, Zadok, Jadua, Pelathiah, Hanan, Ananiah, Hosiah, Hananiah, Hashbub, Halahash, Pelha, Shobek, Rahum, Hashabna, Masaiah, Ahia, Hanan, Hanan, Anan, Malak, Harem, Benana. Big long list. The rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all who separated themselves from the peoples of the land to the law of God. All right, separated themselves from to. That's the, that's the law of separation. There's always a from and a to. There's never a from and then voila. There's always a from and to. Join with their brothers, their nobles, and enter into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law that was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord our God and his rules and statutes. We will not give our daughters to the peoples of this land or take their daughters for our sons. And if the peoples of the land bring in goods or any grain on the Sabbath day to sell, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or on a holy day. Wow. Okay, so they're going to no intermarriage. People of God stay people of God. They're going to honor the Sabbath. We also, oh, and we will forego the crops on the seventh year and the exactation of every debt. So honor the total Sabbath, not just the Sabbath on the weekly basis, but Shabbat for the land and Shabbat for debts. We will also take on ourselves an obligation or the obligation to give yearly a third part of a shekel for the service of the house of our God. Okay, this is the temple tax. This is to maintain the temple. For showbread, the regular grain offering, the regular burnt offering, the Shabbats, the new moons, the appointed feasts, the holy things, the sin offerings to make atonement for Israel, and for all the work of the house of our God. So this would be a designated offering every member of Israel gave every year to take care of the temple. We, the priests, the Levites, and the people have likewise cast our lots for the wood offering to bring it into the house of God according to our Father's house. Father's houses. There's a wood offering because they have to do these burnt offerings. At appointed year by year to burn on the altar of the Lord our God as it is written in the law. We obligate ourselves to bring the first fruits of the ground and the first fruits of every, of every tree year by year to the house of the Lord. Okay, so first fruits... Go to God's house. Now, I, I stress that because there's many preachers that do these first fruit offerings and the first fruit goes to the pastor, but the first fruits here went to the house of God. And also to bring to the house of God to the priests. Now, all right, here's for the priests who minister in the house of the Lord, the firstborn of our sons, our cattle, as it is written in the law, and the firstborn of our herds and flocks. And to bring the first of our dough and our contributions, the fruit of every tree and wine and oil, to the priest, to the chambers to the, of the house of God, and to bring to the Levites the tithes from our ground. For it is the Levites who collect the tithes in all of our towns where we labor. All right, so 
tithing during foreign kings. So, these foreign kings taxed the people. And they still brought their tithe to God's house. Now, the reason I say that is there are some people that like to run around and say, you know, the tithe has been replaced by government taxes. Well, obviously not. And the priest, the son of Aaron, shall be with the Levites when the Levites receive the tithe. And the Levites shall bring up the tithe of the tithe to the house of God, to the chambers of the storehouse. For the people of Israel and the sons of Levi shall bring the contribution of grain, wine, and oil into the chambers where the vessels of the sanctuary are, as well as the priests who minister and the gatekeepers and the singers. We will not neglect the house of our God. Now, this goes back to Numbers 18. The tithe of the tithe. Notice, we will not neglect the house of our God. We will not neglect the house of our God. Even in the middle of foreign occupation, we will not neglect the house of our God. All right. God bless you. We'll see you tonight. Tonight we begin Missions Week. Now, there's two things that are going to start happening tonight and every night this week. One, one of our pastors will sit down with you and teach you how to fulfill the Great Commission in this new situation. The gospel is not chained. The gospel is not in lockdown. And secondly, one of our branch pastors will be preaching to you every night this week. Say, Pastor, what are you going to be doing? Uh, working on some backlogs of administration and resting my voice a little bit. So I'll do morning devotions with you, and then our pastors will be speaking. Because remember, I've been preaching 15 times a week since the first part of March, okay? So it's time to let the voice have a little bit of a rest. God bless you. We'll see you tonight in Missions Week.